This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my God! Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it! Players, coaches, insiders, and of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy duddies! Now, here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. Horsin' Around continuing through the third weekend of the Broncos offseason. Also the weekend before the Senior Bowl. We'll get into that later on. I'm Andrew Mason of DenverBroncos.com and Orange and Blue 760. Joined by my co-host on First and 1010, Ryan Edwards. And the one, the only, the man you were missing last week, back this week. Is looking very contented right now. Andy Lindahl of Columbus and Lindahl. We're at GQ Barbecue. Our guy Jason Ganahl, who we all met. Ryan and I, well, poor Ryan. I really, I, I legitimately, I like to give everybody a hard time. I think they know that. I legitimately feel bad for Ryan Edwards because of some personal choices with his diet, which I commend him for. But we keep coming to GQ where we met Jason, and it's awesome. And we had a great, I had the smoked wings. You had a nice side of macaroni that you ended up sharing fries. with all of us. Yeah. There's some incredible ice cream. So come out to the Park Meadows location we're ha- we are having a good time. I've told you. We had incredible wings at Jack Stack on Christmas Eve. It was the most pleasant part of my Christmas back in 2016. Bad game. Traveling on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the pits. It was but me and Andrew. We hustled over there. We get to the <laughs> we get to the hotel and it's Christmas Eve. Everything's closing early. We got that Uber and lickety split and we were over there first shot. I think oh, we, he was hustling me the whole time. You can probably imagine, right? Yeah. He's oh yeah. Mama cat me. Absolutely. Get your ass yes. down here, or it's gonna close. And Pretty I mean, much. we got there and I was worried it was a fantastic meal and I had good company. I watched Home Alone when I got back because that's my thing. <laughs> I put up some I brought a string of Christmas lights, I kid you not, that I threw up in the room just to feel okay about it. And that night was actually, it's a pleasant, pleasant memory. It is. The next morning was not, and certainly the game that night, my searing Blinding white heat for Andy Reid and all things Kansas City Chiefs came that night when the Fat Tebow pass cemented what was already a crappy game as oh, I yeah. rained on the entire time. Don Terry Poe. I loved my night with you, and we tell everybody to come to GQ. We're usually here recording at lunch. Come join us. We will next time we do it here, we'll put it out in advance on the air. Yeah, that we're going to be over here at say one fifteen. It'll probably be three weeks from now because for the next two weeks. Ryan and I, we're at the Senior Bowl. All three of us are going to be in Atlanta for Super Bowl week. Sure. We'll see how much of, we'll see how many of us return. You know what? <laughs> you so, are rooming with the yeah, boss. Some lodgings yeah. could uh, force some hard feelings. When... Well, no matter who you're rooming with, when you cover a Super Bowl week, you don't so, so much work it as survive it. Yeah. Our buddy Paul Boron. Used to work at Channel 2, covered the Broncos extensively. Gave me my first shot in TV, so you can blame him for my ugly mug ever showing up anywhere in TV. Um, he was telling me he's covering the Saints now, fellas. And he had said that, you know how it is, if they come out there, he's already kind of warned the girlfriend, you're not going to hear from me. The week will probably be mm-hmm. a blur. Yes. And we'll just see how I feel come Monday morning. I just okay, want, I just if want you have you to, to work know, hard, you have to play hard, too. Yeah, absolutely. I just want you to know, don't feel bad for me. I make do. I, I, you see, I'm, I'm quite yeah, content we're all with, okay, my, but I with just, my choices. And, I, and look, I, I, I can appreciate good food. And it's not, it's not that I have an issue. We, we did a, a barbecue festival together. I don't have an issue with any of it. 
Uh, it's just, you know, again, for, for my health reasons, I can't, you know, I but, can't it do, but, but it doesn't mean that I don't like look like the way it looks for but you But I guys. respect you because if I was given the ultimatum you were given, I'd be dead because I wouldn't <laughs> listen. Yes. And, and we'd come here, and it might even happen during a podcast, Ryan. I mean, I'm always a little nervous when they put that blood pressure monitor on me when I go to the doctor, but... Uh, hey, we could get this, political with that because we've all got our, yeah. our health things coming yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Bio screens, oh, yeah. Where I'm sure all they really want to know is, hey, are you near dying? I know. Well, yeah, when I did that last you. year, when I did that last year, they, they, that was kind of what was the beginning of this. It's really is when I went to the health, the biometric screening last year, they were like, boy, you really need to make some different choices. Go see a doctor. You're not dying right now, but you probably are in bad hey, shape. Do me a favor. Next year, make the different choice of going back to your doctor. Because my doctor usually has a little bit easier picture. Than yeah. That. Anyway. Of course. I digress. But you like where you are right now. Oh, yeah, he looks, yeah, man. <laughs> every time we're on camera, no one's. And if he could develop vegan barbecue. Tofu. Uh, oh, man. No, there are vegan. Tofu, I, I was reading about some places in Dallas that serve vegan barbecue. Like brisket. They, it, it's Vegan they, brisket. Yeah, how long are they staying open? In Dallas? Come on now. One of them is really Maybe popular. It gets great reviews. Stay open. Tofrisket? Hey, I'm telling you what. If you can make it taste, we, we, we I feel like we're doing the same podcast we did last time. But yeah. if you can make it taste <laughs> and, and texture wise a lot like the real thing, I'm telling you, it's a huge market. Well, if this barbecue market. festival comes back to the stadium this summer, shouldn't there be a vegan, at least just one vegan barbecue? representative there well, I'm people, just people scoff at it but it, the thing is is maybe maybe you as like say you're w with a family right and maybe everybody is a mediator except for one person like your wife for example yeah. and maybe she'll come with you but she's not going to eat anything well that would be something that she could eat just saying okay i'm not hey look no i, I, know, I know i know include everybody <laughs> and when you talk about doing the same podcast, you know, we kind of hit the time of year where that may be yeah, that's not point. the last time you utter those words. Well, yeah, uh, there may be points where yeah. we're like, okay, the quarterback situation right. again. Right, four months, like four months. Then the, isn't that what it always comes back to? But this week at least there's stuff that's new because we are going to the Senior Bowl next week. Well, two of us are. We wish you were coming, Andy. No, I, you're fine. <laughs> He's good. You know yeah. what? I I love, A, when you travel with the Broncos, you get spoiled, right? So anytime I don't have to travel, I don't need to travel. Okay. Because, you know. Yeah, it's not quite as luxurious. You're walking on the tarmac, getting on a plane. You're never dealing with anybody giving you the cavity check as you go through TSA. It's commercial airfare. It's, um, it's. It's somebody taking it's, up more space than I need them to. It's the Hampton Inn or the Wingate by Wyndham. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, you know, your little down market. I mean, we're not Motel, Motel 6. 6 here, but I mean, we're, it's, it's not staying at the well, JW yeah, Marriott not here. not the Super Bowl yet. Of course, he's on, he's on the Broncos tab. You and I will see how the other side lives. Yeah, well, for me, and we were talking about it right before, for the Senior Bowl, it, it's just all football. And that's, and that's the reason why I like it. And last year was my first year that I got to go. And honestly, w the way it set us up for the remainder of the next few months, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't put it in, in really into words because specifically talking about quarterbacks, talking about blocking offensive linemen, defensive linemen, cornerbacks. Look, Isaac Yadam was a draft pick that came out of the Senior Bowl. Uh, we talked about Deshaun Hamilton. He went to both the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl. Philip Lindsay was at the Shrine Game. Multiple guys that w that made impact on the team this last year were were seen right there. Okay, so who are you guys beelining to when you get 
to whatever the practices, whatever it is that they do there, who are you looking to go see first? Is it is Drew Locke going to be there? Is one of the quarterbacks going to be there? Drew Locke will for? be there. Drew Locke will be there. Daniel Jones of Duke will be there. I think that is where it starts. They're actually both on the same team. John Gruden is coaching both of them. He likes Whether, both well, guys. Well, it's kind of remember last year the Broncos got Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield because they were in need of a quarterback. So I think they're kind of throwing John Gruden the bone here that, okay, you might be looking at a quarterback and, or he and Mike Mayock, because now that Mike Mayock's the GM of the Raiders, made it clear that they probably wanted to see those guys. So they're both going to be working for John Gruden's team. And then you, the other quarterbacks, it's, it drops off real fast. But the one that I'm really intrigued to see is a guy who's under the radar out of the university at Buffalo. I got it right. You did. Tyree Jackson. 6'7". This is a QB? Yeah, he's 6'7". He's a bit of a truck. Well, he's a Bronco. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Well, he's going to be a day three guy. Strong arm. Well, I think he could play his way into into day two if he does well next week. Someone could fall in love with him. The consistency for him. I mean, he looks like a freaking giraffe out there, by the way. But, yeah, the consistency factor, his footwork. I got to see all that first. But I didn't see that when I watched him. I'm excited about him. The film is all over the place. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I will say about Tyree Jackson. But there's a reason why he got invited Yeah, at this late date. I'm also interested to see Will Greer. He's going to be there. He's a name that uh, kind of floated around uh, that the Broncos could have interest in. And that's more of a probably a day two, maybe late first round, depending on how he does uh, through the course of the pre-draft process. But if they can get him in the second or third round, maybe there's some good value there for all the people that want them to take a cornerback at 10 like Mel Kuyper had him taken. Well... Is there going to be a tight end worth watching? I mean, look, there's so many position groups. I could ask you guys a thousand questions. Let me start with this one. Tight end. Do you think tight end could be in play at 10? Do you think a linebacker that has some cover skills could be in play at 10? I mean, where do you guys think 10 could go if it's not a QB? I think you nailed a couple potential positions of those, tight end or covers linebacker. More likely linebacker, although you might be able to get Devin White from LSU later. Devin White, I think, becomes someone that you look at if you want to trade down and accumulate draft capital for next year. Say, trade down 10 picks and get a one in 2020. So you have two ones in 2020. That's where that becomes intriguing. Tight end, Noah Fant, he's not in the Singer Bowl, but he's going to be on the radar TJ Hawkinson, his Iowa teammate, will be on the radar. I imagine the Broncos will take a close look at both of those tight ends, especially when you just hired someone from the 49ers offense, Rich Gangarello, as offensive coordinator, and the guy who made their offense work in San Francisco at times this year was another Iowa tight end, George Kittle. And with all respect to Kittle, Hawkinson and Fant were better in college than Kittle was. All right, so let me throw this off you guys as well because I, I don't know how passionate. I listen to you guys for you guys. How about I put it that way? With all due respect to Mike Kliss, sometimes when we have interviews that I feel like I've already done, I don't always stick around for that. So I haven't heard Mike Kliss's opinion on your air. I've heard you guys um, give some of your opinions as to where you think the Broncos should certainly go on first and 10 and 10 on Orange and Blue 760. 
I'm not of the mindset that number 10 has to be a quarterback. Because to me, fellas, and I'm listening, I'm going off of what guys, what you guys have said, guys like you that are paying attention to not only this year but next year. If you're going to tell me that a Dwayne Haskins is going to be, you know, fifth or sixth among guys next year, then you know what? Let me go ahead and wait if it's not a value pick, if he doesn't slip to the right spot, whatever. Just, just for example, do you guys believe, like Mike Kliss does, who just said it on our show, Columbus and Lindahl, earlier in the week, that they absolutely have to get a young quarterback. He's making it sound like 10 has to be a quarterback, that you have to force the peg in the round hole. What do you guys feel about okay, that? Okay, well, I mean, there's a couple things with that, and I agree you need to get a quarterback. I, I, The reason I think I'd like to see them take a quarterback at 10 is because, first of all, it's a, a clear plan of where that position is headed. I'd also like to see it maybe a little bit just because I want to know the Broncos are still willing to go after quarterbacks in the first round, and they're not too snake bit by the Paxton Lynch experience that they've decided we're swearing off quarterbacks in the first round for whoever knows how long. So for me, there's a multitude of reasons. Plus, if you get a guy at 10, as I get back to the plan, that guy is going to see the field because you learn the mistake with Paxton Lynch one way or another, that he's got to see the field sooner rather than later, whether it's at some point this season or it's to start the next year. You can't delay that. You can't kick the can down the road with a first-round quarterback. You get the fifth-year option. But if he's not ready by the second year, ready to be a starter, then you clearly did something wrong, and, and he's not the guy. And then, and then maybe you have to cut your losses and move on. But for me, that's why I would consider a first-round quarterback – there's mocks I've seen where Dwayne Haskins is available at 10. But would I, you guys I've take him there? 100%. And I don't, I, think he's, I don't think he's the fifth or sixth guy. I would say he's more like three or four. I'd say right 2020. now. Yeah, yeah, I'd say to me right now he slots behind Tua Tagovailoa and Jake Fromm. And that's assuming and both come Justin out. above Justin Herbert. I just like Haskins better than Herbert. Yeah, and that's assuming both of them come out. But I would put him around, yeah, three for me. More so than five or six, but then and that's you get into, top ten. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. probably actually top five to six. Yeah, but then you get into Drew Lock. Now, see, for me, I think there's more questions about, and I know Haskins doesn't have a ton of experience. He didn't start a ton of games at Ohio State, but but he's like he's Trubisky yes, two years ago. Yes, exactly. One season, but Lock, uh, cons- he's going to need a year. He, he just is. Drew well, Lock's going to okay need with a year. That. Yeah, and he's got he's got a tremendous arm, tremendous arm talent. Daniel Jones is more the intellectual quarterback. He'll probably need some time. They both have accuracy issues. But Haskins doesn't. Okay. Well, see, it's just so interesting for me because I. how long is Haskins? So Haskins the one-year guy? One-year starter. Again, like Mitchell Trubisky. And the reason why I bring that comp up is because this quarterback class in 2019 looks a lot like 2017 in that you have these guys that are intriguing, but everyone has a yeah, but. And it's hindsight is 2020, and people can say, wow, Mahomes. Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, all of those guys were yeah, but guys two years ago. Mahomes, at this time two years ago, people were talking about him being day two, third round potentially, before he rose. Deshaun Watson, oh, does he have the arm talent? Can his frame handle being in the NFL? Mitchell Trubisky, it was he started one year. When he went against a defense that threw some pro-style looks at him, he struggled. I feel like we're kind of at the dissection point and we start kind of taking these guys down to the most minute detail and sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees and we have to kind of step back a little bit and get a bigger bigger picture view for me this class feels like 2017 which is there are no sure things but there may be guys who can be your long-term answer 
That's interesting. I I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do, period. I'm still of the mindset, though, where let's just say a couple teams jump up. Haskins is gone. Jones is gone. Um, it sounds like most people seem to think Locke could be a second-round guy. Is that fair? Only or? Mel Kuyper Jr., I think. Yeah, he's the only one. Everybody where would else. you guys guess he goes? Uh, right around 10 to 15. Really? Yep. So yep. he'll be third oh, yeah. off the board. Okay. Or second. Well, because you got, you got look, you got teams like Miami, you got teams like Washington that we haven't even spent a ton of time on that are not in front of the Broncos. They're behind them. But they're but, in flux all of a but sudden. They're in fl- but then, and then you're thinking, like, well, where's Kyler Murray slide, slide into all of this? I'm just saying that – you have teams that might try to leapfrog the Broncos at 10. Jacksonville, the Giants are already there. They could obviously take quarterbacks. So, yeah, I mean, there are a good four or five teams that need quarterbacks. I'm not saying four or five go in the first round. I'm just saying there are four or five that well, if the right guy fell, fell to them or they could move up, they might go get them. We've seen a run even in a bad year because yeah, everybody needs them. That's right. But I would put it to you this way. What if the top tight end is sitting there at 10? Is that still worth? You're shaking your I head. I trade no. back. Do we not like the tight end class this no, year? No, no, I like, no it's, it's a deep it? class. That's a problem. It's a deep class. Like so, so for me, I I would try to find myself in the twenties, kind of like the conversation you just had with Devin White. Now, Devin White, I think is going to be a riser. Like I, I have seen more and more mocks with him going inside the top ten, sometimes inside the top twenty. He might I be. Could, I could see him being a guy that you may have to stand pat yeah, for he's, if you want. But tight end, certainly. I mean, I just mentioned the Iowa guys in particular. I don't. I think Fant and Hawkinson are both gone before perhaps pick 40 in this draft. So you don't get one, you get the other. They're slightly different in skill sets, but both look like they're going to be long career guys. Okay, so then let me ask you this. Is there a Derwin James type in there? These are all players. I'm going to throw out the players so people know what we're kind of oh, talking Deontay. about or profiling. Deontay. But these are positions where I think you need help. Oh, this, man. You need a playmaking safety. You need a linebacker that can have some coverage skills and kind of be your Roquan Smith to put it back to the Fangio days. I'm not saying that you're going to find him, but Roquan went at eight last year. Um, now there were some quarterbacks that helped push him back there. A tackle. I would take a tackle. Frankly, for me, whether it's left or right, I don't really care at this point. Garrett Bowles, if you got to move, you got to move. I do believe Mike Munchak will either get to you at right tackle or you'll be on to something else. Um, I'll give you a name at tackle, and it might be round two. A David Edwards from Wisconsin, who was no, <laughs> I know, I know. Why are we he laughing? was he was lights out in 2017, okay, and Wisconsin. he struggled in 2018. Physically checks all the boxes. Comes from a program that has produced one quality offensive lineman after another. Do you get too spooked by what was in a lot of people's eyes a bad 2018, or do you look at the better film on him? Look at the training he's had and said, say, okay, we get this guy in, he should be fine for us. Because that's the kind of guy who, who could be there when you pick in round two, and he could be a plug-and-play tackle. Fellas, tell me how excited are you to have a Mike Munchak, now a Rich Scangarello in the house, to try to help you pick a better quarterback, to try to help you maybe the extra set of we eyes talk, for we talk O-Lyman. about tight end. What about Wade Harmon? All right, well, the I guy don't who's know seen much everything. about him. Oh, I just dude, feel he's, like- I mean, he's Super Bowl champion. He was with Baltimore for both championships. He was with Shannon. He he was with Shannon in that first Super Bowl for the Baltimore we Ravens. His eyes? Yeah, well, because he's been doing it for so long. I mean, we're you know one of the things you're Todd seeing Heath, here. Dennis Pitta, guys, he kept 
finding guys. Yeah, you're talking about the Baltimore he Ravens. Kept finding them? Yeah, well, he's part and, of it. And coaching okay. him up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's part of it. I mean, you think about what the Ravens have been at the tight end position. I mean, that's a, it's an organization that keeps investing in that position and turning out guys that are productive. Just ask fantasy football players what, what tight end position uh, or what team they want with the tight end. It usually is the Ravens. You're usually saying, well, it's a team that's going to use the tight ends. So, no, he, he's got history there. Now, he just came from Atlanta. And Atlanta's had some history there too, but you know I asked Hooper, Hooper this last week, but or this last year and a couple years before. But for me, I look back to that Ravens, the time with he is with the Ravens, and the way that they utilize the tight end in both blocking and receiving. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about Harmon. Okay, my, my point is a lot of panic this past week. Not, maybe not panic, but I don't know. It was mixed emotion. Let's be honest about it. We all know that a lot of Bronco fans had let us know. They weren't ready to go back to the Gary Kubiak offense necessarily, which I think was unfair in some ways. But I also agree wholeheartedly with the Broncos' decision to not allow everybody back in the shop, shall we say. Uh, And isn't that an indicator that maybe he would not want to evolve as you'd hope because he wanted his guys back that had been fired? I understand where you'd come from from there. I guess my whole problem, not to get too far off the trail, but my whole problem with with the evolution thing is you got to remember and again I, i'll just say it flat out mark schlereth has seen tape from sean mcveigh been told the tweaks that they've made in some of the plays gary kubiak's offense is the same offense that was racking up points for the broncos in the 90s we just don't have the jimmy and the joes to pull it off anymore so i i don't know if it's about him not evolving as much as you just didn't have the guys he wants to go two tight ends and try to run the football because he doesn't trust the middle of the line uh, you got to give Gary credit. I think when you take the 2016 version of the offense, they did what they could do with their personnel. And frankly, Mike McCoy didn't. And we saw the disaster that led to, right? So that's where I get a little bit defensive of Gary, where I, I get that it can be boring, but he was boring because boring is what he had in personnel. That said, and I agree with you, I think we all know, I guess that I'm so flabbergasted by guys, and, when I, and I don't know if it was Mike Kliss or who first tweeted it, when I saw he wanted to bring back, in particular, Periani and Rico, I think everybody's got great respect for what they've done, but nobody thought that was going to be allowed, did they? I saw a tweet, and I thought, there's no way that's going to happen. Well, and what's more shocking is, why did it all of a sudden come to a head when it did? That, that for me, is like, what, did you not know this was coming? Or, or maybe they thought, well... Okay, we think this might be coming, but once we get the head coach in here and we get Vic Fangio, maybe maybe through conversation, Gary will realize that that's not the direction. Now, Gar- Gary's loyal. He's going to continue to roll with his guys. Look, dude, it shocked me. Can I just say it shocked me? I, I, can, be told, I can understand why it would shock John Elway. We all know that was an issue at the end of 2016. Well, right. Why do you think he fired him? I know. <laughs> right. Years ago. I, I'm so shocked that Gary thought it would fly. I'm not trying to put it all on Gary, but I'm just like, Gary. Yeah. I'm not even in the middle of it. Why do you think that would fly? It was a weird hill to die on. Yeah. Oh, it I was thought. extremely weird. And you know what? Good luck to everybody in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah I hope they do. I have respect for all the guys, but seriously. And I, the Broncos will be up there this season. We will a have game. a one-on-one matchup to digest a little bit later on. And, of course, the one thing weird about Rico with the Bills in 2017 and the Jets in 2018, they had their best offensive performances of the season against the Broncos. We certainly hope that isn't the case for well, Minnesota. Well, Angio wasn't coaching this team. This is true. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys this. I was thinking about it as we were discussing it. Now that we are sitting here and the Broncos have an O-line coach and a tight end coach and offensive coordinator, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Kubiak, Rico, and Periani? Or would you rather have Scangarello 
even though he hasn't uh, called a game at the pro level before. He's been OC in college. Wade Harmon. I want Mike Munchak. And you don't Mike even have to name anybody okay, else. There Just giving me Munchak. I, see, I, think, okay. I think they're better with this group they have now than what it would have been with Kubiak. It's not even close to me. And through through the like sort of the digging process, uh, people I've been texting, people that I know that have been around Rich Scangarello, I'm excited about this guy. I really am. And, and there's, there's a couple quotes that he had that I was reading in The Athletic this morning about communicating with the next generation of quarterbacks and, and how you have to change a little bit of the way that you're, you're framing things because it is a different generation that's used to communicating in a different way. Um, and, and, and the way that football is being taught now at the younger levels, it, he's like, nobody's huddling anymore. He's like, that's, that's just not a thing. And he's like, you, you have to start changing the mindset of what offensive football is. And so this guy, we've said it multiple times on our show, he's a grinder. I mean, it, you know, you don't leave a six-figure job to go basically to an unpaid internship just because you know you need that information from Kyle Shanahan to complete the puzzle. And then you take that knowledge and you immediately go to Wagner and you boost the numbers across the board offensively for Wagner. Nearly in, doubling your points. In one year, and you, you made such an impression on Kyle Shanahan that as soon as he got the 49ers job, you were one of his first hires as quarterbacks coach, which is a big deal because the 49ers were going to be starting over in a lot of ways. They had Brian Hoyer there, but, but you knew that that wasn't going to be long-term. They were starting over, and they needed to look for the next quarterback. And he gets Jimmy Garoppolo in there, and he, turns, he, he, he grinds, they work, they, they, they spend all the time together. They go on a five-game winning streak. Jimmy Garoppolo gets paid. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. The guy he wanted in there, Nick Mullins, he's the one that pounded the table for Nick Mullins. By the way, Nick Mullins beat the Broncos head-to-head. As you said perfectly, Mace, definitely the best quarterback on the field in that game. I'm telling you what, man, this guy's got a unique eye for talent. He's a grinder. And my only concern, we voiced it on our show, my only concern is that the the Broncos' offense takes some significant steps forward this year, and all of a sudden – because it's just the nature of the NFL right now and turnover, he's going to be a head coaching candidate in the very near future, and the Broncos might be starting over on that side. And then you have to find the next bright guy. All right, gentlemen. I wish we were on the radio right now because I would direct my guy to give us the screeching brake sound as we stop everything. (laughs) Our NFL insider on Orange and Blue 760 is Ian Rappaport, has just tweeted out, the Seattle Seahawks are signing Paxton Lynch. And Andrew Mason falls <laughs> off the back of his chair. I don't know whether to show it to you or read it to you. I'm sorry to break up the discussion of all so this. So I uh, can no longer say that nobody has signed Paxton Lynch. Well, it took a good long in time. Four and a half months. I guess Fortnite's gotten wow. boring. I really thought he should go to the Alliance of American Football, get some reps, and play. I think that he needs to play. Where are the reps coming from in Seattle? I don't know. Damn. Yeah, I, look, as man, Ray Crockett would say. I, here's the thing about Paxson. Again, I you watch this guy during the field day portion of the NFL season, as known as OTAs, and you see the physical talent. You see the ability to throw. You see the ability to hit a deep ball. But never, I, I just when are you going to work? I'm sorry. When we've gone three years, or what was it, even four years, three years, whatever it was. And you're not learning how to read defenses. And you're not learning how to hit a guy in stride over the middle with a linebacker underneath and at safety over the top. 
and it doesn't look and every time you drop back it looks like you've locked up like you're trying to read some sort of chinese menu in mandarin right i mean it's uh you're not working hard enough so until i'm convinced he's actually going to work hard enough i don't know how it goes any different than it did in denver well we saw this summer his final summer in denver after practice case keenum's putting in extra work chad kelly is putting in extra work and Paxton Lynch is either off to the locker room or talking with people at the Farting tent. Farting around, as my grandpa would say. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the spirit of Vic Fangio, why are you farting around all the time when there's work to be done? Needed extra work and didn't do it. I Have the last few months changed him? I doubt Being it. Being out of football, you hope, but I don't know. Wow, that... That was sorry to wild no no that, I mean, that was I'm, I'm wild shocked, card fellas. cutting the brakes <laughs> yes. Charlie Day on this podcast yeah I do wish we were on the air right now because yeah it, <laughs> well in this man see the thing and I think this will be for a lot of Broncos fans Broncos media that have covered this team when you say Paxton Lynch it, it elicits a lot of Thoughts and feelings. Laughter, anger. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just a lot of things. I mean, that. Is there any player in recent Broncos history who is thought of in lower regard by the majority of the fan base than Paxton Lynch? No. No, not, not like that. Because, and, and I always, our, our guy, Matt McChesney, I always like the way he framed this. He's like, dude, look at the history of the Denver Broncos, the franchise, the quarterback position. You were given, you were given every chance every chance to be the next great in this franchise's history and it's a it's a it's a franchise if you if you're the guy you're going to be here for a really long time you have a chance to be an all-timer this organization is going to put you in position and you didn't want any of it you didn't want any of it you never showed why why they they should continue to keep you around in fact you didn't even make it through your full first rookie contract Never mind the fifth-year option. You didn't even make it through your rookie contract. You have now knocked. You know what I was so happy about the 49er Chargers Super Bowl? That Super Bowl, thanks to the Chargers, wiped out all the Bronco records, right? 49ers erased all the bad memories from 89. Well, Paxton Lynch came along and knocked out everything to joke about with Ted Gregory, right? I mean, when you now hold up the worst first-round pick, unfortunately, in history, is it not Paxton Lynch? Has to be. And you know what stinks? And, and Ted Gregory is bad. Let's not forget, for those who maybe weren't alive for Ted Gregory, the Broncos literally did not have an accurate height yeah. on Ted Gregory. He was shorter than his coach at the nose guard position, which you're not looking for. I don't care how old football is. That's not what you're going for. You never want one of the big, mean defensive linemen to be smaller than the head coach. But he didn't have it physically. Again, it drives me nuts because Paxton did. Paxton did. You had a good arm. You had the rocket arm. You had accuracy deep. It just was, I feel like, I don't know what you were doing in the tape sessions, but I can imagine. There's a lot of time in chemistry class, they'd put up all these formulas and crap and the whole, you know, the, the charts, and I was like, what? I still to this day, I don't know what you were doing up there. I mean, I was in class, and technically my eyes were on the board, but my mind was not processing any of it. And that had to be how he watched film, because I've never seen a guy, never, even Tim came out, even Tim Tebow, he just couldn't physically throw properly. But at least he showed some kind of improvement. Paxton, I've never seen a guy just let the same thing lock him up time after time. Well, after and, time. and how how many years did it set this franchise back? So it's right. not it's not just him. 
it's it's at as least a result two. at least two years and and look look at the NFL and how much has changed in two years and and who are the top level quarterbacks the up and coming quarterbacks the ones that you decided you couldn't go after because you just yeah. drafted a guy yeah. so that's what I'm saying he he set this franchise back so no yeah he's he's one of the most hated draft picks for the Broncos because of not only what he was unable to do, but because of what he did to set this team he back. Makes, he, yeah, he makes the other bust, the Jarvis Mosses, the Willie Middlebrooks, yeah, yeah. the Marcus Nashes. It's not They're even close. peanuts. It's not even close. But part of it, of course, is the fact that he's a quarterback. And That's you why. Know, you, you, you miss on a receiver, you know what? You can recover from that. But like you said, you miss on a quarterback, you're behind two or three years. Because but you're going to give him a chance the next year, right? You have to. And you're going to give him a chance the following year because you want him to. You want to see it pay off somehow. And he couldn't win any of those competitions. And we talked about this on air. If you go back to last year's draft, do you pick a quarterback if you don't have Paxton Lynch on your roster? Hell yeah, you do. But maybe you bypass the quarterbacks and or didn't trade up to Sam Darnold because he thought okay, there's a chance we can still get something out of Paxton Lynch. That if we give him the, you know, I think it was football rehab was the term yep. used for Brock, Brock Osweiler. Osweiler. But for Paxton Lynch, take the pressure off him. That's what it was. Remember, yeah. oh. Case Keenum's in, so there's no pressure on him. Hey, man, I've never seen a first-round pick, much less a quarterback, especially a quarterback, be okay with two other guys coming in to take his job. Like, ah, my turn will come. Nah, man, this ain't a drill. We're not running a drill. This isn't the layup line in basketball. You're not going to get your turn if you don't earn it. How do you not? And you're not earning it by running off the field. I don't know. That guy, I just, it just irritates me. And, and you know what, fellas? Back to your point about the drafting of the quarterback. If John Elway, and I get it. You know, I, I wish John would have let go earlier, but I get it. It's only yeah. the third year of my first-round pick. I don't want to quit too early and let him go be something for someone else. But if Paxson isn't here during the draft, do they make the trade that the Jets made, what, two weeks out for the draft that put them in the position to grab, to grab a Sam Darnold? Not saying that would have been the guy, although I think we all think it would have been, either Baker or Sam. But if Paxson isn't there, maybe you make the only trade you could have, which was getting up to third. Because we all know the Giants were giving up Saquon. So by the time he got to draft day, it was too late to make any moves. There you go. It's just that, yeah. So, like I said, for for Paxton, it, it's it's the ripple effect, and it's up to John Elway to not let the ripple effect go beyond. He's off the roster now. We're still not drafting a first rounder because the last time we did that, it really screwed us up for years to come. That's that's for me is like don't let that Paxton Lynch mistake hang on longer than his contract was because you are you did the right thing. You moved on him when when you had to do it. And you're right. At that point, I I understand why you got to that point. Logically, we are we were all we've been talking about this team for years. I know why they got to that point. I'm glad they moved on when they did, but don't let it continue into this draft and the 2020 draft because you will be screwed if you don't go get a quarterback in the next two years in that draft. I'll tell you this, fellas. I know it's unconventional, but for me, what you need more than anything, more than anything, is the quarterback. And so if you use if you go get Dwayne Haskins this year and you're having some doubts next year, and you're sitting there, and whoever of your favorites, I'll leave it up to you guys, is the 2020 guys sitting there, and you do it again, frankly, I don't care. No problem. Go Dallas Cowboys. If you got to go first-round quarterback two years in a row like they did Aikman Walsh, go ahead. Because let's be honest, we've all figured it out. Until you find him, yep. we're not really going anywhere. I agree. 
I mean, that's why there was some talk. Remember the Browns last year? Well, maybe they take quarterback at one and four. It, it sounded absurd, but if you recall the Cowboys, it was Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft of 89. And then when it was clear Aikman was the guy, they took Steve Walsh. They got they a, got a bundle back. Room, right? Yes, they got a bundle back. Anytime you have a quarterback, you're buying the house in the nice neighborhood. Yeah. And that real estate will always hold its value, especially if he hasn't played because everybody needs hope, right? Yeah, a quarterback is like our own personal health. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And now, in today's NFL, 2019, if you don't have the guy at quarterback, that guy, as John Elway said, you don't have anything. The rest is academic. And look at the rest of this division right now. Meanwhile, they, they all seem to be, I mean, maybe the Raiders are a bit of the exception because John Gruden just got to town, but they're all pretty settled on their quarterback. The Broncos remain the team that are probably picked fourth in the division until they figure that out. But once they figure out the quarterback, somehow – You'll be in contention, and you can you can make an argument, a legit argument, every year that you could win the division. Until that happens, Von Miller's great. Defense could be good. Hey, Doesn't Simon matter. Fletcher said it on your show yesterday. Yep. I thought it was a very poignant point. Never has a team with its star player as the linebacker really won those Super Bowls. It's true, because while Von Miller was a Super Bowl MVP back in Super Bowl 50, he had Peyton freaking Manning. By the way, if you want to hear the podcast, that was Wednesday. I don't know when they'll hear this. Simon Fletcher said it Wednesday. There you go. If you, you want, want to go let me pop that quote in right now. Well, I don't, I don't know that uh, Vaughn can be asked to do more than he has, but one question I have, and maybe you guys can help me because I don't analyze the total football picture the way you do in your living, but uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with many teams whose premier player was a linebacker who won Super Bowls. So Vaughn can keep doing what he's doing, but we've got to get that quarterback. We've got to get that Terrell Davis-type guy in the backfield so that you have an equally talented and productive player on either side of the ball. Gentlemen, a pleasure. Yep. Ryan, can't wait for next week. Andy, I'm sure you'll have us on from Mobile. We'll be patched in. Mobile? Mobile? Mobile. (laughs) Like the gas station? (laughs) All I know is we need to do this podcast under these conditions more often. Oh, I concur. 100%. But first, let's hear from Ring of Fame wide receiver Rod Smith, who dropped by the Pat Bowen Fieldhouse studio Thursday to talk with Ryan, Steve Atwater, and me about his thoughts on the revamped coaching staff, what he expects from last year's rookie class in 2019, and his thoughts on the Hall of Fame candidacies of former teammates John Lynch, Steve Atwater, and Champ Bailey. Rod Smith in studio. Question for you, man. Uh, what should the Broncos' offense look like this year? What's their identity? Honestly, um, the uh, and you you got to really just look at the pieces that they have right now. I mean, you don't know what other pieces they're going to bring in. Um, I think one thing I, I think about, I love about new offensive coordinators, is they want to make an impact. They they want to impact first of all the guys they work with. So they want to be real creative. I, I see the offense, and, and, and I'll, I'll just give a couple teams that are really still playing, looking like the Chiefs' offense, looking like the Rams' offense, where they got some misdirection because we got some fast pace backs. We got some heavy backs. Both of those teams got the same thing. They got some good tight ends. We'll get our tight ends back. I can see us using our tight ends better. And and, and you know, not, not just um, – you know, certain downs, you just know they're going to tight end, and that's too predictable. If I can mm-hmm. figure it out, that's way too predictable. And but and then I think at the receiver position because we have some talent there and we can develop that talent and the skill. And what I mean by that is show and get these guys identities. 
you know, Emmanuel Sanders has an identity. Colton mm-hmm. Sutton doesn't have an identity yet. Mm-hmm. And when he develops that identity and this coach can actually put that in the mix and start putting these guys in position to make some big, big plays, and I think that's what that's what this offense, to me, on paper right now, should look like. So that's what it means to you to evolve the offense. Absolutely. We keep, we keep hearing that. To evolve the offense. So for you, you kind of started more for individual players, more yeah. so than the overall load. You're saying individual players, they need to evolve, specifically the draft picks from last year. Yeah, the, the draft picks from last year, I think, did a great uh, – those guys had a great first year because they played a lot. And that's always good when you can get young guys a lot of experience. And now they got to go into their craft mode. They got to start crafting themselves into the, the professional football players. See, right now you're still just a football player who got a lot of talent. But now you're going to craft into a professional football player, and these coaches can start put. I mean, that to me has always been the definition of a great coach is a person who puts you in position for you to make plays with your skills. Mm. Sometimes coaches just grab a guy and stick him in there. I'm like, no, that's not the guy for that play. You need to put the right guy in for those plays. So you have to identify yourself as a player. Uh, you know, you want to be one of those guys, of course, that coach can put you anywhere at any time. But, but at the same time, you know, you want it to be best fit for the team to be able to move forward, get first downs. Sharp used to tell me all the time, Rob, we need 10 and a half yards. Just get 10 and a half yards every time. Yeah. He told me 10 and a half yards. He said, you know what? That's the first down. Eventually, we're going to run in and bump our head on the goalpost. That's what he used to always say. <laughs> he said, we get 10 and a half yards, we're going to bump our head on the goalpost. We win a lot of football games. And that's, that was my mentality, but I learned that from a guy who, who came through the ranks the way I did. Start with nothing, grind your way to the top. What do you hope these young receivers, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick as well, learn from this past year that they will apply in 2019? The first thing, not, uh, it's not, it's, first of all, they got a lot to learn from because they took a lot of snaps. They had some heartbreaking snaps too, some things that didn't go well for each one of them, you know, individually, some, some routes that didn't work out, some busted routes, some, some slip and falls, some, you know, getting, getting busted up going across the middle, uh, coming out the huddle wrong. They, they got a lot of that in their system. And now you got to go fine-tune the mental part first. I always believed that part. I think one thing that made me a little different, when I came out the huddle, I already knew all the possibilities the mm-hmm. minute I stepped out mm-hmm. the huddle. I knew where my, my ideal place I need to be, but I also knew the, the, the dangers if I did this versus that. And they right now just playing with talent. They're not playing with skills. Skills is when mm-hmm. you use everything. You got to mm-hmm. use the mental. Because just because you can run don't mean you, can't, you can play better than me. I know, I know how to get to over here on the right time. And that's where they should be able to evolve to. And that's going to come down to coaching as well. To me, that's where the, that's where the coaching really gets started is when you can t- talk those guys into be a little bit more cerebral because they don't, they don't have to worry about if their talent fits. They know that. Right. So, Rod, with our current players, what do you think our record could have been last year in a different offensive scheme and with our players knowing the offense inside and out? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. It don't even have to be a different offensive scheme. We left three games on the table. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. We mm-hmm. left three games on the table with the offensive scheme we had. We left three games on the table, just my opinion, on some, some, just some different calls, some different, some different um, just the, 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 the game management, mm-hmm. overall game management, not just the head coach, but even position coaches. You know, it's some game management that you got to understand that we left three, to, in my honest opinion, we left at least three game, three W's on the field that could have been fixed with mediocre offensive play. Right. 
Mediocre defensive play. That's not just put it on offense. Okay, I guess and, the, and special team really didn't in, in the NFL. Now they almost taking it almost out of the mm-hmm. game. I guess I'm, what, the, what the, I'm trying to get around to is how important is it to have a a good system? It, 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 are the players more important than the system? You know, I mean, if you have a good offense, just say if you take the Chiefs' offense and you put our players in it, can they be effective? It ain't gonna work the same. Mm-hmm. To 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 me, because here's the thing. A good player can overcome a bad scheme. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you got a good scheme and some decent players, you can actually do some extraordinary things. Right. Man, I mean, let's let's be honest. We watch the Patriots every year change players just like everybody else in some cases more than everybody else. They right. get rid of some big names. And you who who is Hogan? Who is this guy? Who is that guy? And next thing you know, you see the guy running down the field with the football. Right. But you but you know what they do? They put those guys in position for their skill to make plays. Yeah. I mean, Julian Elman is, is killing. He's been doing it for a long time. But if you physically look at Julian Elman, you look at his stats, you don't think this guy's going to do that. But they put him in position right. according to schemes that, you know, that, that are working. Right. And, and it's just that's, that's one of the things, like, like, kind of like what you're saying. For us, um, you got to be – you got to know your talent so you can put them in at least a position where now if they are that much better than the defensive guy, so to speak – we're going to win and take advantage of that. Yeah. We're going to take advantage of that. Chatting with Rod Smith here in studio, first and 10 at 10, orange and blue, 760. But the consistency that you're detailing there comes from having the same quarterback every single year, the scheme, offensive coordinator. I mean, I know Josh McDaniels left for a little bit, but he's been there predominantly through a good portion of that, of, uh, that tenure there. So, how do you build that consistency when every single year, look, we, we were just talking about it a moment ago, the notion that if Rich Scangarello has a good year, he could be a head coaching candidate just next year. How do you build consistency when the NFL's constantly turning over like that? Well, the head coach didn't change in New England. That's true, too. All the other people going to change. But he's not the offensive coordinator. He's but, in the, but not, you know what? He's offensive-minded. You think Bill Belichick let somebody come through there and, and do something that this is his baby? Mm-hmm. You don't let other people raise your kids, do you? <laughs> you probably want them to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did when they started crossing, right? You don't let somebody else raise your kids. Remember, any offensive coordinator that come through there, um, they're going to have to still conform to the the Belichick way or right. whatever they call it. You yeah. see what I'm saying? That, honestly, here, that's what's been hard. We had inconsistency at the head coaching position. We've had, what, four? Yeah. In the last yeah. six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not saying it wasn't warranted because we won Super Bowl and we went to another one, right? So that's not saying that's not warranted, but you look at the Steelers. They've had four head coaches, I think, in 50 years. Yeah. So, and, but they've always been one of those solid teams knocking on the door every single year that you got to contend with. And I'm not saying well, that's what we're trying to build here. We're trying to have that here too. You know, but the league is so so fast-paced. And, and like you say, oh, oh they, they won over there, go buy that guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> go, go buy him. Oh, give me that guy right there. And think about it. That's what we're doing now. We're buying guys from other teams to try to put a super coaching staff together. Teams that had success, like the Bears, yeah. like the – well, the 49ers, not so, but the, the scheme is what you're looking but, for but a little bit. But the 49ers bit. was putting up numbers. Yeah, they were. Just think yeah. about it. They was in some games. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough when you change head, head coaches. But like I said, with that turnover – and um, and I talked about this, and I can leave it up to you guys to to go there. But when we when we went from Cool to Vance, people asked me, well, "What do you think we're gonna do?" We just came off a of Super Bowl. Da, da. I said, "Dude, it's gonna be bad." And they're like, "What do you mean? Why do you think it's gonna be bad?" I said, "You changed the voice. Mm-hmm. That that voice, that one voice mm-hmm. alone." 
carries a ton of weight. Right. And when you change that voice, and honestly, you you don't even realize there's a ripple of confusion through the locker room. It's, it, he could be saying the exact same thing, but it's not the right tone. It's not the same tone. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it's, it's no different than having one quarterback in the game and another quarterback in the game. But as a player, it didn't change my game. And that's what some of these young guys today, they got to understand that. I Well, I don't get to throw the ball to me. You just put somebody back there who can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You put it up. Yeah. <laughs> I still got to run these routes. He's got them, them huge, gigantic fingers, man. Hey, man, I was broke. I was trying to, <laughs> I got, I was trying to hang out with him. <laughs> but, uh, but, that's, but that's the thing, though. Some of these guys, they, they, you still got to make plays. That's why, I, I was, uh, going back to what Steve was talking about, if we had the same players in these certain schemes, see, our players, and because I, I, I'm orange and blue all day, our players got to get better at themselves. You too busy rubbernecking, worry about what the hell everybody else is doing. Yeah. Mm. You need to – I, I got to be on point. Oh, well, you know, our quarterback – what did you do? Right. Ain't none of my interviews about other positions. My interviews about what I could have did. And I got to say, the team, they did a good job this year of, of, of saying that same thing that you said. You know, they weren't focusing on other people. You know, I know we – people interview Vaughn after the game, and he was like, hey – I understand that's out of ball, but my job is to get sacks and to exactly. get, you know be on point on defense. Most of the guys they echoed that same thing, so I, yeah, I think that, that that definitely resonates with them. Yeah, but but, but honestly, you that's here's here's a veteran guy who takes ownership for his position. Mm-hmm. If I'm not getting to this quarterback, I'm hurting our team. I don't care what they do on offense. Right, my job is get that ball back. Yeah, and 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 he and he played like it. You know, what I'm saying he he was out there and uh and and and, and we saw it in spots. For the team. Yeah. You know, you got one guy thinking that way. You got the young guy, you know, coming, Chubb coming up. I mean, he had a phenomenal year. Yeah. But uh-huh. just imagine now he got some reps on this belt. Ooh. This dude, he got to learn from one of the best to play the game. Mm-hmm. And so, see, now he going to actually get to come into his own. He got some moves he ain't used yet. Because he was, he, he was, he was, he, he, he don't know if they fit this level. He realized now that they fit this level. This offseason, watch that dude come back, man. That dude going to come back. He gonna be a force. I it, ain't like he wasn't, it ain't like he wasn't. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. They gonna take it to another level. Shifting gears for a sec. Four guys that you were associated with: Pat Bowen, Champ Bailey, Steve Atwater, right here, John Lynch. They're Hall of Fame finalists. Why do you think those guys belong in Canton? From your experience with them, because the the elite people in this position go there. Bottom line, and these guys, these guys were elite. At what they did in their era, you know, that's the thing. You start mixing eras and everybody go, oh, this guy, this era. No, look at the body of work in the era that they played and they dominated. They didn't just play. They dominated that era. They, they were the ones who were factors. Um, and most people don't know uh, Mr. Bowling because I even studied more of what the Mr. Bowling did in the background oh, before man. I got here. Mm-hmm. People don't mm-hmm. realize that the NFL wouldn't even look the way it looks right now if it wasn't for Pat Bowling and Al Davis. When, when Al Davis died, I actually messaged the Raiders and told him thanks to Al Davis because me as an African-American, I wouldn't even probably got to play in the NFL if it weren't for Al Davis. Mm. But people don't know that. There's some stuff going on with these TV deals and these contracts and the money that's in place right now. There's a visionary called Pat Bowling who, who's, who we're sitting in his building right now, part of his whole, his family, the Bronco family. If that guy's not in the NFL, does it go to that next level where there's hundreds of billions of dollars flowing through these through these doors of these stadiums. Right. If it weren't for Pat Bowling. And then each one of those guys that you mentioned, I mean, 
Uh, I hated going against Champ Bailey. I love when he was on my team <laughs> because I knew I was going to have to work, man. That dude is a worker. Uh, John Lynch, one of the most fear. John and Steve, both, you didn't want to catch passes. You didn't even want to run routes without the ball by those guys because they was going to make you remember that they was on the football field. And the, the great thing I can say about all three of those defensive guys, they were they were the most – some of the no, they weren't the most professional I've ever played with. Because remember, I played with all three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to practices when I retired, and I'd tell guys, dude, watch how he practice. Don't, don't just look at what he did. Look at how he's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of Steve's career, I was there when he went to the Jets. I don't know why he did that crazy move in the game. No, he ain't going to no Jets. What you talking about? He won't own it. He, he still no. won't. <laughs> no, but, uh, but, the, but the thing was is, is, is I got a chance to play with and against some of the top professionals ever in the sport, and I learned from each one of those three guys and I think the league benefited from their 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 the quality of men first. And then they just happen to be the one that'll knock your head off if you come across there or champ would pick it and take it back or whatever. So yeah, but that those those three, those four men, um, hopefully they get all in this year. Well we that's, oftentimes that's what I'm we oftentimes describe it for me. <laughs> you know that no, oh. hey, 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 dude, hey. There's a couple other guys I know they're going to probably throw in there, but I don't, why not? Hey, I'm with it if it happens now. Well, see, I, I often, and it's kind of like with uh, T. I can get your house back if you're going to go get in. What? I got my house back Whoa. already. Whoa, no, I can't man. My house back. <laughs> you took it back. Even more incentive to push. Oh, going to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, oftentimes, just like with TD, we described it as as during the time that they played, during the era that they played, were they not considered one of the best at their position? And and especially with, again, I mean, we go over the accolades. All 15 finalists have great accolades. They really do. But were they all considered the best at their position in the time they played? Some of them, yeah. And, and, and that makes it difficult for the committee to decide. But you just described them perfectly. I mean, when you were thinking about going across the middle, you had to be in the mindset of what that was going to be like. Where is this guy at? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Where is he at? Yeah, change his game. No, right. I'd like to hear from you. Like, what do you think about the low number of Broncos in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in comparison to uh, the, the the winning tradition that we that we have around here. Why, why do you think it is? Uh, I mean, because I know you're deserving. Dennis, man. Uh, Mecklenburg. Carl Mecklenburg, Randy Gratishar. You can go Louis down Wright. the list. Yeah, Louis, <laughs> every, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a ton of guys. And it's like we really don't get a lot of love. What do you think the reason is? You know, you know one thing I found very disrespectful? And I, and I didn't really t- realize it until I was there, that when I went to John's Hall of Fame, he was the first Bronco in the Hall of Fame. John wow, Elway was crazy. The, John Elway was the first, first person to ever go into the Hall of Fame as a Denver Bronco, and I was there because I played with yeah, him. Same here, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, dude. First. There's so many people with the mm-hmm. Broncos have been forced in this league, and you mean this guy's the first one to go in? And then I'm thinking, okay, now they got to open the floodgates. They got to, I, I, I don't know if that was strategic or some craziness. Well, John's the franchise. We all know that. We all love John. But John shouldn't have been the first Denver Bronco in the, in the Hall of Fame because of some of the people that you mentioned before oh, who had been out of the game for the Floyd Littles of the world who had already been out of the game and made that mark. You know, and, and it's a bunch of guys, like you say, that was deserving. And so I don't know if that that pause, that huge pause, hurt. Because now you're like, now you notice every finalist, there's three, four guys that have had impact with the Broncos in, the, in that list every time now. Yeah. But uh-huh. every year it's going to get more and more crowded with this new era of guys. Then you start going going this whole era thing, and it pushes 
a lot of guys out for years to come, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's kind of hard because I didn't. I mean, I mean, like you said, in the in the history of the NFL, you could go down and see how many guys in the, with the Bronco uniform made major major impacts, and and those guys are deserving. Yeah, it's amazing that this franchise, in particular, has no defensive players, and you know there was the. Decade hey, plus of the man, Orange, Orange Crush. Crush. Come on, you one Orange Crush player. You played with Champ. You played with John Lynch, and you played with Steve Atwater. And those guys aren't in. I mean, really, There's some guys yeah. that should be in before them. Oh, yeah. exactly. Like was, we just mentioned you, you, a bunch of Granite Shaw. This dude is like love Randy. Every time I see him, I just give him a big hug. Yeah. I'm scared he's gonna hit me. Yeah, I'm scared he's gonna hit me. But this dude made tackles back. He was doing 200 tackles yes. when there was only 14 games. Yeah. How do you not yeah. recognize that and say this guy? Set the tone for what the NFL is like today. Well said. Tip of the hat to GQ for the outstanding lunch for Ryan Edwards, Andy Lindahl. I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for horsing around with us. This has been another edition of Horsing Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horsin' Around.